Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got her with punishment. Dug it, just got with it, but it's either what we come to win. Others in love with the drug, and this family just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them coming in. Episode 6, I'm one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, joined this week by Tim Daniel. What's going on, everybody? Sean Mackey is not with us this week. He's he's sick, or he's eating a sandwich, I'm not sure. But joining us this week to talk some Oklahoma City Thunder, from SB Nation's Welcome to Loud City, Mr. R.K. Anthony. How are you? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well, sir. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We don't, we don't get to talk Thunder. to talk about the Thunder. Yeah, we don't get to do that. We don't get to do that here in Cincinnati. Nobody cares. Even more fun this year, this time, than it was last year this time. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Tim, Tim since the start of the, the preseason last year, was tooting the Russell Westbrook's going to be, be MVP horn. And I'm sure we'll get there because, I mean, he fought tooth and nail for that thing week after week. Uh, so, I mean, just kind of going through last season, 47-35, and 6 in the West, have the MVP. This season, you've added Paul George, you drafted Terrence Ferguson. But before we do that, while we've got you here, and I have not had a chance to ask a single Thunder fan this question since you guys have become the Thunder, why in the hell is your arena not named the Thunderdome? Well, that is actually a really good question. You know, it's uh, I, I guess it's like anything else. The name of the name of the place goes to the you know to the highest bidder, and it's Chesapeake Energy Arena. Um, the uh, the upper level, I'm sure you've heard the term "loud city." Mm-hmm. That's actually the upper level of uh, of Chesapeake Energy Arena. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing when you go there to to watch a game. It just it's like the sound pours from that third level like uh, water. But I, I'm like you. I, I've always wondered why they didn't name. You know, nickname it Thunderdome or something like that. You know, yeah. uh, two teams enter, one team leaves. Exactly, it writes itself. And you'd think Mel Gibson or George Miller or Blaster Master, someone from Bartertown, would have the money to to pony up for this. I've I've been well, disappointed since it's happened. Well, you know, you'd be surprised how little you hear ACDC's Thunderstruck. You know, they they play it pretty pretty commonly, but they don't beat it into the ground. Because and, they want to get uh, rid of that Kevin Durant movie. I, yeah, that was bad. He could play some ball, but he cannot act. Sorry. <laughs> that was, you know, I was so excited to see that, and it was like, <laughs> oh, is it over? Okay. Just like play, snore, roll credits. Yeah, exactly. It was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He's, I think he's still catching it over that. I, I still see every once in a while where, you know, someone throws thunderstruck in his face on, on Twitter and stuff like that. So I think really to talk the story of where the Thunder are currently, we probably do unfortunately have to start at July fourth, two thousand sixteen. Um, obviously, that is the day Kevin Durant announced he's going to Golden State, and you know everything starts with the cupcakes and the the debates and the Russ the Russ versus KD, and you know now they're cool. So. Take us back to at that moment because we haven't really had that. 
um, obviously being where we just haven't had superstars to be fans of, but you know, you guys are losing who's a top three player in the league at the time. As a Thunder fan, when you finally see that happening, what was that first reaction? What was that first feeling? Well, I guess for me, since, you know, I follow him so closely, you know, writing for Welcome to Loud City and and things, it wasn't totally a shock. There was actually yellow flags uh, leading up to July 4th that had me concerned. Um, first of which being um, a week into training camp, uh, Kevin Durant puts his million-dollar home up for sale for under market value. That was that to me kind of struck funny, and the the excuse for it was that he needed revenue to finish renovating a du a a, a, a luxury duplex that he had bought near downtown Oklahoma City, and that doesn't make sense. Not when you're making the kind of money that that Kevin is, not only what on on the court but off the court as well. He didn't need money for that. He was, I think. I think he, I think there was something about Donovan's system that he didn't like right off the bat, and he. I think that's why he put the the home up for sale. I just, I personally, that's my thoughts. Um, there's only that's the only way I can explain. It. I think there was something about Donovan's system that he didn't like. Primarily being that I think that in Donovan's system it was obvious pretty much from day one that he was, it was guaranteed the ball was going through Kevin's hands on every single possession. And Kevin, I don't think, is really that type of player. Uh, he's, you know, I think that's why he's as happy as he is in Golden State to be one of the guys. Instead of being the guy all the time, you know, Kevin just wants to be part of you know, a group and a team, and it was pretty obvious, I think, very early on that Billy Donovan wanted the ball to go through his hands as either, you know, a shot maker or a facilitator, and I don't think he was totally comfortable with that, but that was the first red flag, or yellow flag was was his house going up for sale, um, then different things along the season uh, that uh, it didn't seem like he was as comfortable with the, with the system as, say, Russell was. Russell adest, adest, adapted to Donovan's new system very quickly. Donovan was very vocal about that fact, how quickly Russell adapted to it, how he had bought into the system and was a, was almost like a coach on the floor, uh, communicating, you know, the things that he was talking about in practice. We never heard him say that about once about Kevin. Um, and then in March, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, do you remember the interview that Kendrick Perkins did? Yes. The infamous I can say but I can't say comments about what uh, uh, Kevin's plans were, you know, in the free agent period. And uh, that was a red flag. And then just weeks after that interview, he actually sold the home that he put up for sale under market value for half its market value. And at that point, I, I was telling... Uh, uh, the uh, managing editor at Welcome to Loud City, I think, I, I, you know, Houston, I think we've got a problem. This doesn't sound like a guy that's looking long-term to stick around. You don't you don't move million-dollar property for half its value. If you're planning on sticking around, you ride it out until the value comes back. 
So, so that was that was kind of my first indication. A lot of people said, no, you're crazy. Listen to what he's saying. You know, he wants to retire from here. He wants to hang his jersey from the rafters. He wants to be like Dirk Nowitzki and Tim Duncan. And I'm like, yeah, the saying one thing and what, what you say and what you do are a lot of times, you know, on different ships. And, that, and that's the feeling that I was getting. So, not to kind of bounce around the timeline, because we're obviously going to talk about the amazing year Russell Westbrook had and just how historic it was. So, we're now at this point where we are, and around the same time frame, around our time, about 9 o'clock our time, we our phones blow up with the news that the Oklahoma City Thunder made out like bandits by getting star forward Paul George. Maybe not exactly the Kevin Durant, obviously, in the talent level, but still an amazing, amazing talent. What is kind of the fan site, even if it is just for a year, as a lot of people expect? What is the ex- what is the excitement like? What is the joy that like for you, you the Loud City fans, in regards to PG coming to town? Well, for me, it was you know, especially when I heard the terms of the deal, it was just a complete shock. Um, Victor Oladipo's a talented young player, but we were you know most most people in Oklahoma City and most pundits across the country felt like he was overpaid. Uh, did not have the season that it was expected to have last season. Promising young rookie, uh, DeMont, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, you know, is all it takes to, you know, to pick up a, you know, a four-time All-Star, perennial All-Star like Paul George, even if, like you said, it is for just a year. Uh, there were better offers on the table, we understood, and somehow or another, June 30th, you turn on the turn on the computer and you get the news that Paul George is suddenly with the Thunder. It's, it's, uh, uh, it was like a revival, uh, almost. You know, you go from, well, let's just see what these young guys can do, to, my gosh, we're right back in the thick of this. And there were a lot of talks, you know, with that trade, how you said there were there were better offers on the table and everything. There were, There's rumors, and I don't know how much, like, speculation of this is true or whatever, but that the, the Pacers GM was really just didn't want to keep him in the East, didn't want Paul George to stay in the East, and didn't want to trade him to any like former employer or anyone that's burned him. So do you think that that was maybe one of the reasons why that specific deal kind of, you know, went into play? Cause it did seem on paper pretty one-sided. You know, that was, that was kind of my initial thoughts as well is that he didn't want to take the risk of trading Paul George to a rival that he would have to deal with over the next, you know, even just if just more than one year, but maybe even longer than that. Um, I think that, uh, um, the trade yesterday between Boston and Cleveland really irked Indiana. <laughs> that sure. that uh, they, you know, that they had done, you know, moved a guy like Paul George out for a little of nothing, and then look what Cleveland gets for Kyrie Irving. Um, I thought I thought Boston gave too much for him, and now uh, again, that's you know a guy that they still have to face there in the East. But yeah, I think I, I, that was kind of my thoughts as, as well—that they were willing to give up something that they, you know, that they that, that they probably wanted, but uh, uh, to get Paul George out of the East to take, you know, that way they only had to face him twice, only once at home. Where if he's in the East, they have to deal with that with that drama twice. I don't think that's something they wanted to deal with in Indiana. 
And then kind of going back to Tim's question, too, I mean, granted, you know, Durant leaves, Golden State wins the title, but at the end, you know, Russ gets the MVP, which we will we will most certainly get to, and the Paul George yes, trade. Have, have the wounds kind of, like, scabbed over, or have they healed, or were they, like, torn back open from the finals, and then this is healed? Like, how are... How are you feeling and how are fans feeling, you know, post-Paul George trade? Well, most most Oklahoma City fans honestly would rather just kind of move move on. They act, they really wanted to start moving on after he left. Just, you know, a few guys burn his jersey. We'll wait till he shows up. We're going to, you know, give him the cupcake treatment and then go on with our lives. A lot of the drama that – and this was ironic to me that, that Kevin kept accusing the media – of stirring the pot between he and Russell, but it was it was him going to Rolling Stones. It was him going to Sports Illustrated. It was him, you know, sending out his his uh, you know his comments through his inner circle about trying to explain the reasons why he left Oklahoma City. That that came just that just keep kept bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, and like it wouldn't go away. And it did tend to. Escalate, and you know, right up until the Thunder signed Paul George, and at that point, it seemed to deflate it in Oklahoma City fans' minds, but not in the rest of the NBA fan base. They still think Oklahoma City's harboring, you know, a lot of ill wills. I mean, if he didn't want to be in Oklahoma City, power to you. Just don't burn the burn the house down on your way out. Sure. You know that. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, guys. Well, I was kind of going to ask a little bit because this is the first, you know, blockbuster thing that we've seen Oklahoma City go through. Um, also, you know, it's brought up all the time. I'm sure you as a, as a huge Thunder fan are sick of hearing about it. And I'll only have you guys talk a little bit about it, I promise. You know, there's the James Harden scenario, too, where you had all three of those guys. And they were the top three MVP candidates for a long time before Kevin got hurt this year. And that's something that seems to come up all the time. So for you, is that something where you're like, okay, we already, we've been through this, I don't care anymore? And are you sick of kind of like all the major places kind of bringing it up continuously? Well, just to touch on this, the subject of the James Harden trade, um, there was a completely different financial dynamic with within the Oklahoma City ownership uh, at the time of the uh, James Harden trade than there is today. Um at the time when James Hart, when they when Presty made the trade with Houston with for you know with James Harden, uh, a gentleman by the name of George Kaiser was not part of the Oklahoma City ownership group. Once George Kaiser, who's owner of Bank of Oklahoma, joined the Oklahoma City buyer, I mean the Oklahoma City ownership group, the total financial uh, picture of what what the ownership group was changed, where they could not afford to take a risk of what actually transpired happening, the Thunder not winning a championship through those five years and paying that repeater luxury tax, the, a new ownership base or the ownership base they currently have would have said, paying the extra money, you know, we've got too good a team to let it go. That's why I think we're seeing the financial risk or the financial outlay that we're seeing from the Thunder today. You wouldn't have seen that with with the old ownership group without Kaiser's money there to help shore up the you know the you, you've just got more room to it's like the difference in playing uh the two dollar uh, blackjack tables and the twenty dollar blackjack tables depending on your bankroll stepping in the casino and 
you know, uh, so just kind of looking, you, the Oklahoma is one of the few teams to really benefit from the talent migration out west. Uh, we've we've seen the East get weaker, uh, and, and Oklahoma, you know, build up with, with Paul George and everything. So, having finished sixth in the West last year, but given how much stronger the rest of the West is getting with a lot of talent moving out there, especially probably as it's being rumored over the next couple of years, that seems to be an, a trend that's going to be on the upward. How does the Thunder's future look as a whole? Like maybe like three years this year to the next like three year plan. Well, I think at this point, with with the uh, Paul George issue being so up in the air, I think the Thunder, I think the Thunder fan base is looking at it one year at a time. You know, let's take care of this season and get Russell and and Paul George, you know, signed, and you know the rest, and then later on down the road, we'll take care of itself. And you know, we're really excited about what. Paul George brings to the Thunder because I personally feel like he is a better he's a better fit with Russell than Kevin was. Kevin may have been a little bit better talent, but I think Russell and Paul George's mindset is more in line. Example: Do you remember the, Do you remember the comment that uh, Kevin Durant made uh, in Rio this last summer, or last summer, I should say? I do not. When he was struggling and then had a breakout game and they asked him what the difference was and he said, I do better when I don't care who wins. Hmm. That, and he said, I don't know if that fits with other players or not, but it's the way I think. Well, you're right, Kevin, it doesn't fit with most other players. It sure wasn't something I think that jived with Russell Westbrook's mindset. So I'm not sure how well... You know just exactly how deep their tr- you know Russell's trust. You know because there was that's always been a question about Russell, is that Russell has trust issues. That's why, you know, he wasn't given the ball up at times. And I think there were definite trust issues between he and Kevin, especially in late late parts of games because, uh, you know, you, you just got a guy that just doesn't share your philosophy. And Paul George is not that type. It's you know, the shot needs to be taken. Somebody's got to take it. Give me the ball. No matter what, whether they're having a good game, bad game, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are those type of got players that want the ball when the game is on the line. And I, to be real honest, there were times when I felt like Kevin didn't want the ball in those game game winning situations. wasn't often, but it was enough that I think it created trust issues. Sure. So um, let's kind of so talk a little bit. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was grabbing a drink real quick. So oh. what we're looking at with, with Russell and Kevin, I think we've got we've got two guys that are gonna mech gonna mesh very well together. I think that uh I think I'm not the only one that thinks that, that feels that way. i uh Patrick Patterson, who is considered now the Thunders uh number one free agent signing since moving to Oklahoma City, saw the possibilities with those two together and uh, also a chance to uh kind of go back and and uh you know he had was heavily recruited by billy donovan coming out of high school and opted to go play uh with kentucky instead uh so it gives him a chance to to team up with billy donovan plus you know kind of get a new start he had a little bit of a rough postseason last year and uh uh you know 
jump in, you know, with Oklahoma City with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, which then in turn a week later brings in Raymond Felton, which I thought uh, was really telling when you've got a guy that's that's been in the league as long as Raymond Felton, that uh, you know he came to Oklahoma City uh, on that one-year deal again to shore up the second unit because he sees an opportunity to win in Oklahoma City. So it, what 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 I'm kind of drawing bringing this all down to is that I think that Oklahoma City is going to meet Paul George's expectations. He, you know, he said more than once that, you know, whether he stays or leaves kind of depends on how the season goes, how, you know, if he, if he can see some really, you know, some real possibilities moving forward with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think that he will. I don't think the Thunder are good enough to beat Golden State yet. But I think they've got. I think they're gonna. I think they're going to make it to the finals, and I can see them possibly winning a couple of games in the finals. I mean, in, I'm sorry, in the Western Conference Finals. Right. And uh, you know enough that I think that it's going to make Paul George look at the situation and say, "Hey, you know, I'm in the league this far. Uh, we've got something that's going in the right direction. Do I really want to go somewhere else and start over and take a chance of having to build?" You know, be two or three years down the road versus maybe one piece away from being ready to win that ring. So, who would you rather have come into this season, Patrick Patterson or Tosh Gibson? That's a good question. That really is. Tosh was was fantastic last year. Um, he had some limitations, though. On he, he wasn't a type of player, though, that could that could help spread the floor much. He had definitely had a limited shooting range. I think they bring a lot of the same things on the defensive end, but I think Patrick Patterson brings more on the offensive end. So I think I'm going to have to go with with Patrick Patterson on on, on that question, because of his you know his ability to catch and shoot. Um, when he's when he's on, he can definitely spread the floor. <clears throat> uh, he's uh, there was a comment made by um, his old coach at Houston, uh, Kevin McHale said that the thing that's going to surprise people in Oklahoma City is just how driven Patrick Patterson is to win. Uh, that, you know, his uh, his his basketball IQ, especially on the de- defensive end, is is uh, something that's going to surprise him. He's, he's uh, a great help defender. But on the offensive end, I can definitely see say that I would prefer him over Taj, over Taj because, again, that ability to spread the floor – uh, he's also uh, he's not a high volume shooter, but he's a guy that can help keep the ball mo- moving. And uh, so, yeah, to, to get, get right down to it, yeah, I think I, I I'll go with Patrick Patterson over Tosh Gibson at this point, age wise. Uh, you know the the shooting ability, uh, the two way uh, skill level that that Patrick Patterson brings. You know there was the Toronto Raptors were a much different team when uh, uh, Patrick Patterson played than when he didn't last year. I can't, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's a pretty drastic drop-off, uh, you know, with the uh, Toronto Raptors win-loss when Patrick Patterson was not in the lineup. So he's a guy that, that, that helps you win. And uh, it's not that Taj didn't, but I think Patrick brings a dim- dimension that the Thunder need because the Thunder's three-point shooting was so poor last year You've got to, you know, a guy like Patrick Patterson can't help but help us. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that just makes a team better. And like you said, Toronto saw that when he was there. Houston saw that. 
Um, even his short time in Sacramento, yeah, they you know they got a little glimpses of that as well. Um, talk about some current also guys on the team. Um, I don't know if we can necessarily call them that anymore due to recent facial hair changes, but the Stash Brothers of Stephen Adams and Ennis Cantor, um, you know they've been a great big man tandem for a couple years now. You still have them again at least for another year or so. What are the expectations as these guys move forward? Um, I'm a big I'm a big big fan of Ennis. I think he's a great player. Um, we've seen him really grow a lot into the NBA from his time where he couldn't play at Kentucky to where he's at now. And Stephen Adams just has been such a good player for the Oklahoma City and what Billy Don wants to do. So what do you expect to see from these two coming up in this season? Let me start off with Stephen Adams. Uh, you know, I think Stephen Adams is a player that that were, is really going to reap the benefits of Paul George and Patrick Patterson coming into the starting lineup and gaining that space because it was space that he that he lost last season. As poor as, as the Oklahoma City Thunder were at shooting the three-point shot, teams would just pack the paint, and it really limited Stephen Adams in what he could do offensively, and he still broke double digits for the first time in his career. Now that you've got Patrick Patterson, you've got Paul George, you've got Russell Westbrook, where teams can't just pack the paint and and challenge Russell to either shoot three point shots or you know or or you know attack the crowd, they're going to open up space for for Adams where we will see a lot more pick and roll, um, you know and you know opportunities for him to uh, collect rebounds and and get putbacks. I think his scoring is is could could jump as much as five as five to seven points uh, this season because of that. Um, Ennis. Ennis has been a has been a great offensive player and and rebounder since coming to Oklahoma City. The same question marks surround. The, what's disappointing with Ennis is that the same question marks with Ennis still exist today that existed when they when they traded for him uh, in the uh, you know in the injury uh, plague 2015 season, which is what he does what he does on the defensive end. He's improved in certain areas, but he is still highly susceptible to the pick, pick and roll. Um he can't close out on shooters. Uh you know, there's the you know, the famous thing from from the from the Rockets series last, you know, in the postseason last last year where the Thunder literally had to set him and you see uh Billy Donovan looking at one of his assistants, assistants say, basically saying, we can't play Ennis. And the problem with that is that uh, with with teams like Houston, teams like Golden State, there's getting to be more and more those types of teams that he's going to struggle against defensively every day. That's my concern with Ennis. Uh, but as far as being a team player, uh, being an offensive threat, um, he, he's 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 definitely gifted on that end. My question is, is, what happens to the footwork that we see on the offensive end when he crosses half court? That concerns me. But hopefully, uh, he is he's you know done you know done the work that he said that he was going to do in the off season. He said he wanted to create a three point shot. I think that will help him quite a bit, and uh, that he was going to continue to work on his defense. And I think someone like Raymond Felton. Uh, running the uh, the second team is going to help that quite a bit. I think his defensive numbers sh- should improve with that, because uh, and if if they can, um, you know, it, Ennis will I think will get back to uh, being the threat that we saw him two years ago. 
So, with that being mentioned, you know, we've talked about just about everyone in the Thunder, but the, the main attraction, the MVP, Mr. Triple-Double, Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, like Alex mentioned, I started in the preseason saying I thought he would MVP. Um, I know even he was the Vegas betting odds favorite, but I still, you know, I still thought there would be people that have, there would be doubters on. Obviously, there were. A lot of people felt hard it should have been the MVP, um, but that's a story for another day. Talk about watching that season. Talk about going through the, the triple doubles on a nightly basis and just the greatness you're watching. You know, we know the player he's become, how great of an athlete he is, how awesome of a player he is. Um, he does get some reps that really I feel are unfair. So what's it like for us who don't have superstars to look forward to like you do on a nightly basis? What's it like to have Russell Westbrook as your team's best player? I told people, if I told them once, I told them a hundred times, I said, you know, savor this because it's not something you're going to see again for a long, long time probably. Uh, Russell is probably the best, you know, your best bet of seeing it happen again. But I think with the addition of Paul George, the triple double is, you know, season is is likely to be off the off the off the, uh, you know, not likely again because, you know, it's it's not going to be necessary for the Thunder to do the things they did last year to try to create easy offensive chances. Um, you know, there was a, the big discussion late in the season about uh, the easy rebounds that he was getting. That Oh, that's why he's getting the triple-doubles, because they're just giving him the rebounds. Well, that was for a reason. Uh, if you've ever watched Russell, once he gets the rebound, um, you you you're, as, an, uh, as a defensive team, if Russell gets the rebound, gets your rebound on the other end, you're in trouble. He gets down the floor so quickly, it's just there's virtually no way to get set up for it. That's why the Thunder, you know, rather than, um, you know, kind of go the traditional rebounding route, use their big guys to uh, screen uh, the other defenders to let Russell get the ball so he can attack so quickly. And I don't think we're going to see quite as much of that. Um, you know, you've got, you know, some guys, some, you know, with uh, Paul George, who's a prolific rebounder. Um, you know, it's an area that uh, uh, Patrick Patterson can excel at at times. Um, I, 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 think the, I think the rebound is going to be tough. But with the new, new options that we see with Russell, I think we're going to see his assist numbers skyrocket. Russell has has been plagued with the, with the label of being a selfish player since his, his entire career, and I have told people from day one, just watching him play, this is a kid that's driven to win. I don't care if it was an old lady sitting on the third row; if she could make the shot, I think Russell would pass it to her. <laughs> and with Paul George and and, and Tupat uh, available, I think his assist numbers are going to really jump through the roof. I think the rebounding will drop, but I think his assist numbers are really going to go up. Obviously, his usage numbers are going to decrease, which I'm sure his legs are going to be glad of. It was obvious in his postseason interview he was a, that was an exhausted young man. and uh, So I don't think we're going to see some of the numbers that we saw last year, but at the same time, I think we're going to see his game grow in other ways that may be just as special. So, you've added... You you have you have the reigning MVP, which to me is is an undisputed title. I I can see the argument for James Harden, but you don't 
You don't look past what Russell Westbrook accomplished last year. Straight season. up, if it was if it's not for Russell Westbrook, James Harden runs away with the MVP last Absolutely. season. He had a Absolutely. phenomenal season. No, and it's not, not a knock against phenomenal. Harden. You just I just think too many people were willing to discount what Russell Westbrook did. Uh, so so given that the addition of Paul George, uh, the the returning roster that you have, the addition of, of Patrick Patterson, would you say this is this is as complete? of a roster Oklahoma could put together? Or do you think that you're still missing, like, a key piece to kind of maybe tip you over the edge? Five years ago, I would have said that the Thunder have everything they need to win a championship. But then you have Golden State uh, with, you know, the way things fell into place with uh, their their contract situation for them to put the team together that they have now. I think... uh, the Thunder probably are looking at one more piece. I don't think it's necessarily a superstar piece. Sure. But um I think some I think a player a player that would uh um especially one that would, would uh improve their, their bench, you know, give them some more depth on the bench mm-hmm. uh is going to be critical. And, you know, not to not to uh You know, to ignore something, you know, there's a couple of young players that, you know, the Thunder have, you know, on their roster right now, especially a young Spaniard named, um, you know, Alex Abrenes, that could very well be that next piece coming up. His numbers weren't exceptional last year, but a lot of it had to do with a very slow start. But as the season progressed, Alex Abrenis was putting together some solid uh, numbers from beyond the arc. His defense was improving steadily. He began to understand how to use his length to uh, cover passing lanes and things like that. And Alex Abrenis could be that that piece. That you know, they I think that that I think for that final piece, the Thunder are going to try to develop someone internally. I think that's why they took the chance on Terrence Ferguson instead of maybe going with players that uh, you know may have. Been more, you know, had, you know, shown more, you know, at the D1 level than a young man that went overseas and struggled. Uh, but Terrence Ferguson has the potential for such a high upside. I, th- I think that's the direction that the Thunder are going. I think they're hoping to keep the guys that they've got got now. I don't know exactly where, you know, Raymond Felton may f- may fit into the scheme on down the road. But hopefully, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Uh, uh, Patrick Patterson, uh, Stephen Adams, um, you know, keep those, keep that primary core intact, in and then develop that last piece internally. And I think they've got the potential with Alex Abrenis and uh, um, Terrence Ferguson of possibly having that happen. Well, okay, it's been a blast to have you to talk some thunder. And before we wrap up, and before I give you the floor to promote everything. It is time for the segment of our season previews that I call Fan Wagon, because Tim, Sean, who is absent, and myself have been Bulls fans through and through for a very long time. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Taj Gibson. That's why I wanted to kind of get your opinion on him. However, Taj was outstanding. I miss him he so was, much. He was <laughs> great, great guy on and off the court, uh, just a class individual. He was a he was a real pleasure to have at the Thunder. I hated to see him go. And like I said, I had to really 
really put some thought in that question that you posed earlier. So, Gar Foreman and John Paxson hate us. And we, John Paxson and who? Gar Foreman. The the co GM of the Bulls. Oh, okay. With the with the with the wrinkly mole face as I as I describe it. Uh <laughs> they hate us. They they personally in a in a personal vendetta ha, have made us turn in our fan cards and, and rendered us men without countries, as it were. Uh in NBA agnostics, as I've also described it. So you've done a hell of a great job already, but why should we root for the Thunder this NBA season? Um, gosh, I think that's that's maybe the easiest question you've thrown at me yet. Uh, the Thunder are going to be as an exciting a team to watch this year as, we'll, as you're going to find in the NBA. Uh, you know, Russell is still Russell. He is still going to be, um, you know, attacking, you know, the trees with 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 uh, with abandon. Um, I think Stephen Adams is is going to uh, have a have a very very fun season. And you know, the one area that we didn't speak about with the Thunder uh, that uh, you know is kind of Sam Presti's overall attack towards the Golden State Warriors was not only going at them from the offensive end, but also the defensive end and also the depth perspective, you know, from a depth perspective. And, uh, you know, the Thunder are going to be fun to watch. I think Raymond Felton is going to be one of those those type of players that uh, he's liable to be standing toe-to-toe with, with uh, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins on any given at any given moment. He's just that fiery. Even at you know at uh, you know twelve after twelve years in the league, um, they're just they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're going to score a lot of points, and I think before it's all said and done, the Thunder are going to be a top five defensive team as well. And so if you enjoy defense, which if you were a Todd Gibson fan, I I would say that you probably are. The Thunder are are going to be especially good at uh, on the defensive end as well. Well, RK, thank you for joining us this week for our Oklahoma City Thunder preview. The floor is yours. Where where can the people of space and Earth find you on the internet? Well, you can find old RK on, uh, you know, writing his uh, weekly, uh, sometimes twice weekly uh, articles on uh, Welcome to La- SB Nation's Welcome to Loud City. And once the season starts, uh, I'll do a uh, pregame halftime and sometimes post-game show depending on what time milk and cookie time is uh, during the season and uh, where we have a lot of fun and uh, I'm hopefully hopefully hoping this season to add more guests and uh, uh, you know hopefully up my cyber chops a little bit so that it uh, looks a little more professional and uh, maybe learn how to do a backdrop or something you know but uh, green screen maybe absolutely and uh but uh, uh, that's that's where you can find me, and uh, uh, excited to have been on the show tonight, today, guys. I wish you all the luck. And uh, uh, only thing I need to know now is where to uh, embed this embed this podcast at Welcome to Loud City, so we can help promote your show. Well, we will get that to you once this episode up because is up because this 
has been 48 Minutes Episode 6. It does post each and every Thursday night or Friday morning, depending on when you look at your podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you like it, go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Click that subscribe button. Give us five stars. Write us a nice review. And check us out at 48minutesnetwork.com, where we keep you up to date on all the stories that happen in the NBA, sports game news, because we can do whatever we want as an independent site. And until next week, hail Hayward, and good night.